you know, on average, about 2% of people that see your offer are going to buy right away. 2%. So if you, if you think out of every 100 people, two are going to buy, what is your plan and your strategy for the other 98? How are you wooing them? How are you engaging them? How are you providing value and building trust so that when that ready to buy moment comes, that they're thinking of you? You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, I'm super excited to have Tracy Reuter in studio joining us today. She is the founder and the CEO of a company called Divine Social. She is passionate about supporting businesses in growing their brands through authentic, meaningful social advertising. Tracy has the uncanny gift for looking at any business's mission, vision, and message and mapping out the right strategy to get their brand in front of the right people at the right time. I so enjoyed our conversation speaking with somebody who has sales and marketing experience that's in in the advertising space. She has 25 years uh, of sales and marketing experience and she really knows her stuff when we start talking about high level marketing strategy. Tracy combined her tactical knowledge of social advertising so she can write the recipe for any brand's success and hopefully you'll enjoy uh, the conversation as much as I did as she shares some of her greatest secrets behind mapping out your own powerful social advertising strategy. So with that said, I'd like to welcome Tracy Reuter to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, Tracy, I'm super excited to have you on the show today. So welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. I'm super excited to be here. I was excited because I look when I was looking at your background before we logged on and uh, when I uh, first was introduced to you, I thought, wow, what an amazing story. And uh, you're working in an area that I absolutely love, uh, which is sales and marketing. But you're doing it from a paid point of view and not, you know, strategy. How do I get more Facebook likes and followers? So do you want to just fill in the blanks a little bit on, you know, what your agency does and, and kind of what sets you apart from everyone else? Yeah. And so that's a great thing the way you, le- you let off with that. I ha- just recently did a YouTube video talking about how popularity does not equal profit. Profitability, and so um, that's probably the the biggest reason why my agency is what it is. Um, I've been doing actually background in, in marketing, got a degree in marketing several years ago, many moons ago, and then went to work uh, for a uh, here in the states a Fortune 10 company, a small little telecommunications company most people have heard of, called AT and T, and I led a sales division there for several years. Um, I was working in the B two B channel, calling on clients like Motorola, United Airlines, and you know Joe's Plumbing, everything in between, and. <laughs> So I have a I have kind of an interesting background, and then um, I ended up in the digital online space because, really, my it was because my husband got very very sick on my 29th birthday. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease when he was just 34, and I couldn't be working 80 hours a week traveling for corporate America, and so I didn't know what to do. And through a long um, twist and turn journey, I ended up being mentored by a affiliate marketer and got to learn all the ins and outs of digital. And uh, ended up fast forward about five years ago, launched my agency 
because I really saw the ability to take my sales background, my marketing degree, my mark digital experience, and to really be able to take amazing companies that have a powerful message or a powerful product and help them amplify it in a way that they can get in front of the right people and increase their profitability. And it's just been, it's been a wild ride. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Well, I love the um, I love the word you're using is amplification because you know everybody's trying to increase their reach and you know build their numbers up. But I think in one of your uh, YouTube videos I, I had seen you talked about it's really about engagement. It's not about having you know a, a zillion followers. It's about having a handful of people that in, that engage with you. Yeah, it's really about the the right people. You know, I mean, it's it is important. You know, reach is important, and all those things are important. But the at the end of the day, it's got to be the right people. It's got to be who's your ideal client. And, and how can you, how can you get your message in front of them so that you can, it's a win-win for everybody. Right. I mean, and so that's really, you know, we've, we've taken what makes us a little bit different is I think it has to do with my, my sales background is we look at the customer journey. Like what's the typical customer journey. If you look at, you know, Google's definition from awareness to consideration and all the way up to that zero moment of truth. And how can you use digital marketing? How can you use content amplification? How can you put your dollars strategically and intentionally behind campaigns that can shorten that customer journey so that you can, you know, start doing business and adding value to their lives faster. And so that's kind of, um, that's really our biggest focus of how we architect out all of our client campaigns. So with the work that you guys are doing now in the social space, the paid social space, I mean, that's a changing landscape. I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> these days, you know, get up in the morning and log in and say, hey, what's changed last night before I left the office? <laughs> well, that is exactly why uh, we, up until this point, we only focus on social ads uh, because of that exact reason. When I, when I first was learning digital, I was learning everything, you know, search engine optimization and email marketing and how to build websites and you name it, all of it. And it quickly, I quickly realized that there was no way we could be excellent if we were trying to do it all. And there's a really great book. I, I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but it's um, so great. They can't ignore you or yeah, so, so good. They can't ignore you. And that book really, I was already thinking like, gosh, we just, we really have to specialize. And after reading that book, I just decided, you know what, the, the only way to stay on top of the constant changes and be world-class is to just laser focus. And so that was a decision that we made. And um, sometimes, you know, I, I wonder if I'm crazy because, you know, having all your eggs in Mark Zuckerberg's basket can be frightening at times. <laughs> so we, we are always looking at the trends and what's happening. But right now for my team to be excellent, we have to stay focused on that because things do change so, so quickly. So it's a, it's a fun ride. So as someone who works with agencies and being an agency myself, so how do you integrate that with a client strategy? Because you talked about strategy being very important because the tactics will change. So, you know, social, paid social, Facebook, Instagram is one side. Then as you mentioned, there's SEO and there's content strategy and there's email marketing, uh, which I see you've got lots of experience in as well. So how do you help your clients navigate that piece? Because you're, you know, you're the pros in one area and they've likely got other people on their team or other teams in those other areas. Yeah. So we, one of the things that we always do whenever we engage with a new client and, and whenever I'm coaching, whatever it is that I'm doing, I go back to one of my favorite oldies, but a goodie is Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And what we do is we, we start with the end in mind, right? That's one of his seven habits. And so the end, the end goal should be the same, whether you're doing email marketing or SEO, every business typically has the ultimate end goal. And then what we're basically doing from that point is we're working backwards to build out the client strategy. And, and really, ideally, if possible, we're integrating with the email team and the SEO team because we should all be moving in the same direction, um, hopefully, right? If, if we're doing things right. Yep, yep. 
And by having that strategy that always points towards the client's end goal, then as the tactics change from day to day, like right now, the big thing in paid social, especially with Facebook and Instagram is this campaign budget optimization. Like that's really changing the game. And that's a new, that's really a new tactic. It's not a strategy. It's a tactic of how you execute your campaigns. And so even though Facebook is constantly, it feels like throwing flares in front of us, <laughs> uh, our strategy stays, you know, it's true north. Um, once we, we get that, we know what the client is after, we know what we're working towards. We always have that strategy that we're building around and working towards. And then we just adapt as the different things change. And sometimes sometimes the, the changes that come are for the better and sometimes they're not. And so we have to we have to work within that. But if, if we were a tactic agency, if we were just focused on that, then we would be tossed around, you know, like a like a boat on a you know, bad storm. So that, that's no good. Sure. Or like we talked about before we got on the air, I mean, look at some of the, uh, some of the companies that are tied into the social side and, you know, the, the changes in Facebook and Instagram now have made it prohibitive for them to keep, uh, keep their business running. They've shuttered or closed the doors. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's, just, that's the thing is if, if you're so tied um, to specific tactics and I mean, let's face it, if, I mean, we've seen this happen over the last, you know, five years where there's been companies that saw a void that was missing with, with the platform and they filled the void and then Facebook went and changed something so that they filled the void. <laughs> so yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, right. and, and that's definitely, that's definitely something that there's been a lot of talk around, especially with paid, paid social is that with some of the AI that's coming out that eventually media buyers uh, won't be necessary. And I can, I can totally see that happening because typically people who are strictly media buyers are just executing tactics. They're not necessarily strategists. And so that's something that, that helps me sleep a little bit at night because I know that AI can't necessarily duplicate our brains just just yet anyway. <laughs> well, and I, I like one of the comments that I that I saw on your one sheet and that's uh, when the clients buy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, we look at the, the common strategy these days is build a sales funnel, drive them in the front page, sign them up, send them your email sequence, you know, talk about scarcity. And um, that doesn't uh, match your answer, which was when they're ready. <laughs> Well, and this is a lesson that I, you know, I brought into my agency from back, back in the day when I was with AT&T. And one of the things, I mean, and, and I'm going to age myself here, but you know, this is pre Facebook. This is really pre internet. I was doing this in the, you know, the mid to late nineties, early two thousands. And back then it was on average, it would take about seven touches before you could convert a prospect to a client. And today we've got over 400 marketing messages a day that the average person is getting bombarded with. And you know, that, 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 that is that just makes everything so much more challenging and the thing that i see a lot of businesses kind of fall down on is you know on average about 2% of people that see your offer are going to buy right away 2%. So if you if you think out of every 100 people, two are going to buy, what is your plan and your strategy for the other 98? How are you wooing them? How are you engaging them? How are you providing value and building trust so that when that ready to buy moment comes, that they're thinking of you? And that's just something that I, I know a lot of uh, people ignore social traffic. They, they don't want to put their money in social ads for things like that because they're just thinking solely about trying to convert that, that, that initial 2%. And really, by putting a little bit of investment into nurturing those people, which we, you know, we commonly do with emails, right? But email open rates are going down. And, you know, there are other ways to help boost that. And so that's something that we really encourage our clients to do is actually have a plan for that other 98%. Well, it's funny because I use social the other way. So, you know, uh, in my business, most of the strategies that we use are we partner with publishers that have great relationships with their subscribers and then we get them to send out sponsored email to their subscribers. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we pay, but we pay for that. And at right. the end of the day, right, we wired them the money. The email goes out. The money's all gone. The opens and the clicks, whatever they are, is what they are. And so the we've taken the opposite approach. We've leveraged the social by making sure we've got a tracking pixel in for Google and Facebook, so we can carry on the conversation and we can enhance that relationship and try to get more value out of that one relationship where they got an email once, went to the landing page, some signed up, some didn't, and went away. Yeah, and you know, I think I think the companies that really take the omni-channel approach, right, like using all of the tools, uh, especially if you're trying to grow and scale, uh, people are so distracted. Social media has changed our culture and. I've got a love-hate relationship with it. And, you know, we've got issues with addiction and people being stuck <laughs> yeah. in and all that. But I mean, you've got to, like you, if you're, if you're going to invest in marketing, then invest in, you know, utilizing all of the tools to the best of their ability. So you can increase your likelihood of growing your business, growing your profits, growing your bottom line. Well, and early on when social paid social was just coming out, we ran the numbers for campaigns we're running and social was always the lowest cost of conversion. So we had, you know, direct mail is the most expensive and then, you know, Google pay-per-click and then email and then social is always the cheapest, but we could never scale social when it first started taking sponsored ads because there wasn't the volume there. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, that, that is something you got to be careful with, right? I mean, you, it is the lowest cost to convert at times, but is it the best long, you know, lifetime value of a client? And that's something you want to definitely take into consideration. And that's why I always recommend to people that when you're architecting out these campaigns, you want to be, you want to make sure you're including all three temperatures of traffic. So you, most people, you know, you think of social ads as, as cold traffic, right? You're trying to grow your audience, which is very important. And it's also incredibly good for retargeting, which is warm traffic. But then the final one is, is hot traffic. Like people who've already bought from you, if you've got multiple offerings, you know, you want to make sure that you are leveraging, you know, leverage the social platforms by using, you know, amplified posts, paid posts, where you can get them to order more or buy more. I mean, a lot of it depends on what your business model is, right? I sure. mean, it, yep. if it's an e-commerce that, you know, we use those all the time to try to increase the average order value or increase the lifetime customer value. But, you know, the, the old adage of it's, it's less expensive to keep a client than to acquire a new one is still true. And so, <laughs> you know, we can't forget about that. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to new, new clients or potential clients, it's never crossed their mind to use paid social to, to retain their clients. And uh, it, it can be a very, very small part of your budget, but it can be extremely effective. But it's also emotional support. I mean, people will make, you know, buying decisions often on emotion and they want to justify why they bought. And I think that sometimes that strategy, like you're saying, a paid social reinforces they made a good decision. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's right now, I mean, all the buzz is, you know, storytelling, right? Story, story marketing, and you've got, you know, story brand and brand story and all these different things. Right. (laughs) And I mean, there's a reason that 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 is so effective is because because we've as a, you know, human beings love story, we love to tell stories, we love to hear stories, we love to watch stories. That's why podcast, you know, people love podcasts so much. And so, you know, at that level of hot traffic of buyers of reinforcing their their decision, you could be using storytelling, you know, telling them more, getting them more emotionally tied and, and more loyal to your brand. And, and that's the other thing too, that Doug, that I think is, is really important right now is really understanding how to use paid social, not just for conversions, right? Not just for lead gen, not just for your webinar registrations, not just for sales, but also for branding. Because right now, it's still at a point where it is incredibly inexpensive to use paid social for that. And the clients of ours that really get behind that philosophy, we're seeing that their overall um, acquisition costs are going down. Uh, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful um, when we start to break out, you know, when we compare like these are 
this is how much it cost us to convert your, you know, the, the people we've been engaging with and staying in front of versus people who were, you know, we kind of haven't communicated to for six months or longer. So that branding piece, even though we might not be getting a huge ROI up front, um, long term, the ROI is incre- it's, it's just, it's amazing what we're seeing. Well, and we're working on a campaign now where we're using social upfront before we email to warm up the audience because we know who the audience is. Mm-hmm. So we can market just to the audience. So the audience is, is warmer and more receptive when the email hits their inbox. It's so huge. And, and that's, um, we, we did that. We did that recently for a client of ours that had a huge book launch, a traditionally published book. We've done it now a few times with some authors where, you know, a lot of times people will come to me after they've published the book and they're like, how can you help me, you know, sell books? And, and really the key in this example was we started amplifying, we, we knew who the ideal buyer was. We just, we started taking very congruent and this is the key, right? It's that whole concept of beginning with the end in mind and working backwards. So we took, congruent content um, that was the, you know, that the natural next step would be either another piece of content to the book or straight to the book. And we amplified that content for about 30 days before the book launch happened. We ended up getting that in front of about 4 million people, which was amazing. And this client, you know, has been on uh, the Today Show and Good Morning America and ranked number one on Amazon for four or five different categories and made the USA Today and made the New York, I'm sorry, we didn't make New York Times. Turns out, I didn't know this, but New York Times is a curated list. It's not actually about book sales. Yep. So we made everything but New York Times. <laughs> I, I did I did learn that. I've never been there, but I but I did hear that. Yes, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so anyway, I mean, what were you talking about? 100% works. That whole concept and, and it, of warming up your audience beforehand, it really, really can make such an impact when you're ready to pull the trigger on an offer. But I also think, you know, in looking through your materials, I mean, it's a long game. So, you know, listeners, if you're thinking I can just pull the trigger and at the end of the week, I can generate enough sales to pay my rent, um, wrong. It's just not, that's not the yeah, strategy no, for no, you. No. <laughs> it, it is a long game. It really is. But I, And I think that's another thing too is, in fact, somebody was just interviewing me earlier and asking, you know, kind of about the mindset. And I'm like, it's, you've got to have a long, a long game approach here. Because if you, if you think you're going to get into paid social and hit the jackpot in 24 hours, like go to Vegas, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, it really is something that I've seen over the past five years and, you know, managing millions of dollars of ads. It, it typically, you know, we see things really hitting stride somewhere around month four. It, you know, and not that you don't get results before then because you, you can, and we do all the time, but I'm talking about hitting stride where you, it, where it's dependable and consistent and, you know, and, and it, not everybody has the intestinal fortitude to make it that long. So you have to have a long game mindset for this to really work for you. So why do you think that is? Why do you think it takes the three to four months to, to really, uh, like you said, hit your stride? Well, a lot of it has to do with like dialing in the messaging, dialing in the audience, dialing in the advertising funnel. Um, that's the thing is a lot of people, when they when they start on social, they don't really have a, an advertising funnel. They, they, ha- they might have a sales funnel, but they don't actually have a designed... A, a, a very intentional process to move people through their actual sales funnel. And so it usually takes some time to get all of those pieces really uh, firing on all cylinders. It just, it just does. Some of it's the algorithm. Some of them is um, really finding, you know, getting your creative right, you know, getting all those things dialed in. Those things do not happen overnight. God knows I wish they did. I've got a client right now that, you know, unfortunately the algorithm seems to, uh, 
it's like they're taking a hard right turn every 20 minutes and it's really difficult, you know? So, um, I don't expect it to be like that forever, but it's just one of those things that it, it does take some time for things to stabilize. So, so, if, but if you have, if you don't understand that going in, then you're going to think this isn't working. I'm losing money. This isn't, you know, this isn't good. And so mindset is, is huge on the paid social game. Well, I want to shift gears because what's become obvious to me and I hope obvious to our listeners is that there's a lot of moving pieces. So, you know, and I'm and I'm not against the do it yourself. Lots of stuff I do it myself and lots of stuff I just make sure I find the smartest people. And so, you know, you don't have to look very far online to hear people say, "Hey, I've tried Facebook and it doesn't work and I've tried paid social it doesn't work." And then you hear like guys like Gary Vaynerchuk saying, "It works, it just didn't work for you." So, I want to talk about you being an agency owner. So give our listeners an idea of what the experience is like and what the process is like for many people who may be doing it themselves and are thinking, well, maybe I need to bring in an expert or bring in somebody else. You know, that might be scary or overwhelming. What does that look like? Yeah, that's a, that's a really excellent question. So, you know, the, I, the way I see it is there's three levels of, of help when it comes to bringing in help for social traffic. So number one would be your freelancer, right? So that's typically somebody who doesn't have an agency. They're, a, they're essentially, you know, a one man or one woman show. Sometimes it's, it's because they're just getting started out. And usually those people are going to be um, technicians. They're not necessarily strategists, but they're the ones who know the changing tactics and the ins and outs, and they can take things over for you. Now, I, I, that can be, depending upon the size and state of your business, that can be incredibly helpful. You know, just to have somebody else doing the day-to-day -day while you're thinking about things. But the, the key with that is you have to remember odds are a freelancer, not in all cases, but in many, many cases, a freelancer isn't, you're not going to be bringing them on for strategy. They don't necessarily have the experience in that. It might not be their sweet spot and you're going to get what you pay for. So that that's one thing. And then uh, the next level would be someone like us who is a dedicated social agency, like that's all we do. And then the third level up would be something like a full stack, full service agency that kind of does it all. And there's there's pros and cons to, to both my uh, style agency and then the full stack style. But coming to, to work with someone like myself and many of my good friends who also are in the Facebook space, we have to be friends because we, <laughs> we need somebody to talk to when, when the algorithm changes. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. But typically, you know, typically working, you know, when, when you make that decision to, to bring someone in to partner with you, and that's usually what we're looking for is we want to partner with our clients. We want a long-term relationship. I always joke with people, I've been married for almost 26 years. I, I, I like long-term relationships. So, so we usually are looking for something that, you know, we're going to be together for a while. And, you know, in the beginning, it's, it's a, a lot, it's just like getting to know somebody. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of sharing information to try to really understand your brand and, you know, you're getting your voice right and understanding, you know, the kind of assets that we're dealing with and really knowing that we know that we know that we know your company and your offering. And, and that can, that can just take some time that, that takes a, <laughs> takes a lot of effort, right? I mean, relationships take effort. And so we do, we usually take about a month. It's kind of a, about a, a 30 day onboarding process. And I know some of my peers do it much faster, but we have just proven for us, we need that longer period of time so that we can really build a, a long and wide runway to build, to be able to launch something really significant for our clients. Now, so that's the onboarding side. So you're, you know, 30 days to onboard, but you know, what's the, the pre onboarding look like? So somebody saying, Hey, I'm interested. Uh, what, what types of business like, do you have areas that you guys are, you know, experts in or 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like before that, I mean, usually what happens is we have a conversation and when somebody knows, like if you're thinking about it, I mean, I, I recommend if you're spending, let's say under $6,000 a month, somewhere under that, you probably want to look at a freelancer because most agencies aren't, that's not enough ad spend for most agencies. Now, if they're a smaller up and coming agency, then maybe they'll, they'll do that. I know I did in the beginning. So typically under that um, 6,000 and above, uh, some agencies will take that. Others have different tiers of requirements. So usually if you're somewhere around there, you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, I need some help. You're probably having some success, but you know, you can, you could do better if you could have someone help you scale. Um, and so usually there's a conversation. It's, uh, t- I, I tend to, uh, there's supposed to be 30 minutes. I almost always go an hour. My team jokes because I, I, I can't help, but you know, <laughs> but ask help, questions yeah. and give strategy and all that kind of stuff. And then really that helps kind of discover like, is this going to be a fit? Are we going to be able to make an impact? And And, you know, trying to really understand like what the objectives are, like, what are your goals? What are your KPIs? Um, And then based on what we know, is that actually going to, is that going to be a good fit mutually? Because we we are looking for partnerships. And then in terms of specialty, I mean, we've, we've worked the gamut. The only thing we aren't, I would say we're not good at is we're not good at the local, local businesses. Those are not our forte. I think there is a, a very special type of agency for that, that are really good with local lead gen. But for us, it's been the e-commerce space. It's been the webinar fund for coaches, consultants, high ticket offers. And then, and then we, we've done really well with authors in the book space, you know, traditional published authors that have some kind of monetization on the back end. So, you know, someone that writes a, you know, best-selling book, but has a masterclass, that type of thing. So, so typically, I guess it would be either e-commerce or that coaching consulting side of, of the world. So for whatever reason, we've nailed those webinar funnels, we've nailed those high ticket application funnels. And, and then e-commerce is also super fun because it's just a fast paced, different kind of environment. So my team prefers both of those. So what are some of the mistakes that clients make when they're looking for an agency? So they're, you know, like you said, they're spending, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a month advertising now, and they're going to go out to the marketplace. And so, you know, I guess you start with asking, asking your peers, but what are the mistakes they make as they're looking at agencies? Well, I think, I think some of it is, is expectation, right? So some of the mistakes are like, what are they expecting out of that? I think there is a a, a desire to abdicate everything over to the agency to just be like, you know, I'm going to give it to you. It's out of sight, out of mind. And you know, that, that actually, we have a couple of clients that we achieved that, but we didn't start that way. And I think if you go into the relationship thinking that you're just going to be able to wash your hands of it and the agency is going to take over, I think that you're kind of setting both parties up for failure. That's one thing. And then the other thing is, and I've gotten really good at telling our prospects when we're getting ready to do business together is in the beginning, there is a lot of work that has to happen between the two parties. Sometimes it's creating a significant amount of, of content, of assets, of images, of videos. And you know, there are some agencies that do a lot of that creation in-house, but ultimately it has to come from you as the, as the business owner, because you're not going to be the spokesperson for them. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's definitely something that we see that makes the beginning stages of working together very rocky. So if you're going into looking for an agency thinking they're going to just do everything and you can walk away, I think, I think you're setting yourself up for frustration. I think it's a really good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've experienced that several times is, you know, abdicate control. And then, you know, you've got one person to blame when it doesn't work. That's because you handed it off and just said, you do it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we do have a couple of clients. Like I said, we, we, we achieved that point, but it didn't happen right away. I mean, I'm thinking of one in particular. We've been working with her for a couple of years now. She is, um, it, we have a joke internally that she's our absolute favorite client. And part of it is, is because, you know, she really worked hard with us to make sure we understood her voice and her offers. And she communicates early and often. And she makes sure that we know two months in advance when a launch is coming. Like, you know, she, she gives us the, she, she knows how to work with us so that we can show up at our very, very best. And so that makes it really fun. You know, we love those clients versus the one that's like, oh, well, I'm going to do a live webinar tomorrow. Can you get ads up three days ago? Like, <laughs> no, no, we can't. That's funny. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, gosh, that happens. That happens all the time where, yeah. you know, it happens uh, Friday, Friday at five o'clock. We want to do a live webinar on Tuesday. Could you get ads up over the weekend? Like, oh my goodness. So that's funny. Yeah. I'd have plans that, that phone, like you said, on Thursday and go, I need an email marketing campaign to go Monday. So, okay. So what Monday? Oh, you know, in three days, do you have content? No. So you need to, so we need to find a writer yet, hire a writer yet. We need to do a video. Yep. Okay. And then we need to book the media and the media is probably booked up for months in advance. Like, did you guys not think a month ago, two months ago? No. Yeah. So, so good advice. Uh, you know, I found that treating our suppliers like customers has always worked extremely well because like you said, it's a two-way street. I mean, the more I can do to serve you and to help your team understand my message, and get back to you quickly and be responsive and they get content, the better results I'm going to get. So yes, I expect you to do the heavy lifting and bring the strategy uh, or your strategy, but listeners, I mean, it's, it's your business. So, um, you know, roll your sleeves up and get in there. Well, and don't you think, I mean, I, I have come across a couple of, you know, dirt bag, <laughs> dirt bags in the industry, but for the most part, everyone that I know, all of my peers, whether they're in Facebook, social media, they're in email marketing, most of us just really want to do an amazing job for our clients. We really, really do. And so I, you know, one of the, the things I, I'm constantly thinking of is what's, what's a win-win and how can we over-communicate with our clients so that, you know, it, like the famous quote in, in Jerry Maguire, you know, help me help you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's we're right, just yeah. all trying to win here. You know, that's really what it is. I, we're not, uh, we had a client once that was a little confrontational with us. And one of my staff members said, look, we don't, we're, we're not interested in taking your money one time. Like we, we want, uh, like, this isn't, this is something we want for the long haul. And so we are very, very clear with that, with our clients that we are trying to win together long-term. So makes, it makes sense. I mean, and I think one of the other points that you mentioned there is realistic expectations. So, you know, you mentioned the dirt bags are the guys who aren't the greatest people in business. And that's the, that's been my experience is they're the ones who will say, oh yeah, we can get that done in a week. And then you send money and never hear from them again. So, uh, yeah. so you know, like to your point, you know, sit on the money or run the ad yourself, but don't, don't sign up with somebody who says this is a seven day project to, to riches and fame. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and that, that is something that is I've matured in my role and, and, and as our company is matured, that's something where, you know, at first I was a little bit nervous, like, gosh, what are people going to think when I tell them, you know, it's a 30 day onboarding process. And I, I've actually, you know, got to a point where I could be strong in my convictions that I know that I know that I know what's in the best interest for these clients. And so I think I can convey that when we're having our discovery call. Uh, it seems to, you know, most of my clients now uh, don't, don't even bat an eye. I mean, some of them are like, well, but we want our ads up next week. And I'm like, you're more than welcome to put them up next week, but we're not interested in <laughs> slapping up ads for you. We yeah. want to create a strategy that works for you long-term. So can you share one of the biggest successes you've had with a client? You can either name them or not name them. 
So I'll give you I'll give you two briefly. Um, the biggest the on the e-commerce side, the biggest success we've had is we've been working for the last four years with a very large client that works in the crafting space. One of their partners is Martha Stewart. They sell e-commerce and through Hobby Lobby and Joann's, all those kinds of craft spaces. We've done amazing things for them, grown them from um, eighteen hundred dollars a month in ad spend to over a hundred thousand. And um, one of the coolest things we've been able to do for them is they're on every so often they're on Home Shopping Network. And ever since we've been working with them. We developed a methodology that they sell out um, in their 24-hour window. They, the first time we sold them out in 20 hours, the second time we sold them out in nine hours. And so that's been really, really fun what we've done with them. They're a company called Cricket, and that's been a fun, fun uh, client to work with. And then the other one um, on the coaching consulting side of things is an amazing man by the name of Todd Herman. Um, he is a performance mindset coach, and we got to be behind his book launch called The Alter Ego Effect. And just absolutely incredible. He's the one I mentioned earlier. Earlier, we had 4 million views on his videos before the book launch. And what we were able to do with that was just, um, not only was it so much fun because he's an amazing guy and alter ego is incredible, but some of it was just really breakthrough marketing that, you know, we were, he was willing to take a chance. We had some really innovative ideas and, you know, those are always the time where it's both terrifying and exciting because you don't know if it's going to work. And it really did with him. And so he has become a, a great friend and an amazing client. That's really cool. I mean, there's nothing better than seeing a client, you know, hit a home run and then stay with you as you help them build their business. Yeah, it's it's really been it's been really great. It's been fun to see too because that book launched. I mean, we're, we're recording this in July. The book launched in in February, and it's still rated number one in um, sports psychology, and it's it's in the top ten for uh, business consulting. It's just been really really great to see, and and it's a movement, and so we get to be a, a part of helping make that happen. So share with us one thing that you're really excited about in the next six to 12 months. I mean, the, the, your space is changing. The industry is changing. AI is everywhere. At least it seems to be everywhere else people are telling us. So what are you most excited about? Well, I think right now the thing I'm the most excited about is I've been really thinking through like how do we how do we maintain and increase our value for our clients over the long haul? And so one thing that we're doing is we are starting to take a step back and look at a bigger picture for our clients. Um, I think because of my background in sales, I've always seen how you know traffic impacts the whole business, not just one aspect of it. And so um, we're actually starting to invest in training the team on things like conversion rate optimization. Um, we're really trying to be able to and we've always consulted on you know sales funnels and things like that. We just don't build them. But we're trying to ratchet up our expertise because the more we can help our clients prosper and, and help their campaigns work, the better for everybody. Um, and so that's the thing. I, I think the short-term thing I'm the most excited about, the, probably the second thing that is, is just, you know, I'm super excited about in general is the future of traffic and what that's going to look like. So I'm paying close attention to trends. I'm watching things like, you know, like LinkedIn that is starting to look and feel a little bit more like Facebook if you haven't spent any time over there. Um, you know, so we're <laughs> yep, watching yep. those kinds of things just so that we can see like, is this going to make sense? I still don't think for the average business that LinkedIn paid advertising is really where it's at, but I don't see it staying that way for that much longer. So they, I think we've got some exciting times ahead. And, and I want to just say that, you know, is, is we tongue in cheek joke about Facebook and Instagram, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. And so it's, I think it's still a tremendous opportunity for, for most, most businesses. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I just I published a book last year and, and it's called Three Big Lies and it's about email marketing. And one of the lies is that email's dead. Yep. Yeah, it's dead, doesn't work. It's like, okay, well, sure. I, I should I should tell all my clients then because we're still making money for them. People, yeah, Facebook's old. Uh, they've moved on to whatever the platform is. Like, yeah, it's a shiny new object, but the reality is it's still, you know, the has a lion's share of the social um, attention. Exactly. So what's some of the bad advice that you hear? This is a Tim Ferriss question I stole from his last book. So you're out at a cocktail party and uh, you're you know, listening to a conversation beside you about social advertising. And what's some of the bad advice that just, you just cringe when you hear it? Oh, I love that you asked me that because recently I was, I'm in a, um, a mastermind and I was watching a video recording and a very, very high profile marketer who does not um, actually market. Right? So I mean, that's not, that's probably an oxymoron, right? Yeah. He's just, he's very well known in the digital marketing space and in a leadership capacity. And I heard him do a 10 minute talk on using, uh, including third world countries to help get more social proof on your posts and to increase your followers. And essentially was bragging that he's got over a million followers because of this strategy. I had everything I could do to not throw my computer. <laughs> I know you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I just don't want to name names because I don't think that's necessary. But I wanted to take my computer and throw it across the room because it is dangerous. It is irresponsible. It is the worst advice you could possibly get. There was a time that people were doing that kind of thing, trying to game the system to you know get lots of followers from Sri Lanka and uh, Pakistan and all those places. And you should do that if that's where your ideal client is. You should never do that if your ideal client is not in that place, because it will, in the long run, it will kill your um, account. It will hurt your advertising score. It will cost you more money. It is a complete, it's, it's the worst advice I have heard in ages. And it makes me sick to my stomach that someone of that caliber was recently speaking about that. Yeah, okay. So, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I mean, it was a loaded question. I had no idea you were going to ask that. <laughs> well, and I didn't know how you were going to answer it either. I mean, that's why we have these conversations. I'm just, just smiling here politely <laughs> because I'm Canadian, so I'm being polite. And I'm just not going to respond other than I, yeah, I'm very familiar. I've heard the same conversation. Yes. So... But you brought up another another point. So let's say you've you've been running some social ads and you've made some mistakes. You know, I've I've you know been involved in ad campaigns and we've had uh, Google accounts banned. We've had Facebook ba accounts banned, um, not because they're horrifically bad things, but hey, that picture of that lady standing on the scales offensive. It's like why she's fully clothed. Well, you know, it offends people, so we're suspending your ad. Or or you have gone to Sri Lanka to get followers. How do you clean that up? Is that is that possible or is it a start over? Well, for the most part, I mean, unless it's been so egregious that they've shut you down, it is it is possible to recover from that. But there, it is definitely challenging. There's there's something that everyone that is in the Facebook, uh, Instagram advertising space knows, and there's something called an invisible advertiser score. N no one exactly knows how it's calculated or where to find it, but there are all these different things that um, contribute in the algorithm to how Facebook treats your account. And so some of it is number one, it is, um, it is the advertiser's responsibility to understand and stay on top of Facebook's terms of service. So it's, it, it, whether you're doing it <laughs> yourself fun. or you're hiring somebody, you've got to, you have to know because it's there and they, they really, it's kind of that uh, zero tolerance approach. So, so that's kind of the first thing. And the second thing is, is, and I think I've done a couple of videos about this is just really becoming a good citizen on the platform, you know, knowing what, you know, ultimately, I mean, Facebook makes all of their money from advertising. 
advisors, right? We're the reason they stay in business. But the only way we have anything valuable to advertise to is if the end user experience is positive. So be thinking that way. How can you be adding value to Facebook's ecosystem? So if you can take the approach of, I'm going to be a good citizen, I'm going to know the rules. I'm going to know that, you know, you know, different parts of the world have different rules. And if you go to a country and you don't know the rules, but you break one, you still are liable for that. So yeah, yeah, you just, it's the same way in social. And so I think if you are in a very difficult situation, then you have to understand that it's a hole that you have to climb your way out of and it's possible. And, And sometimes if it's really bad, then yeah, it is a start over game. And sometimes if it's bad enough, you can't even do that. Like right now, one of the big things, um, I do a lot of work in the natural product space. Uh, living, I live outside of Denver and natural products are a big thing here. And one of the things is CBD and hemp. Yeah. And there's a lot of companies that, you know, they, they are getting shut down because they have hemp seed in their product or, and there's nothing you can do about it. You've got to follow, you've got to follow the rules because it's Facebook's game and we're just playing in it. Yep. I hear you. Uh, that's an opportunity for me in the email space, but that's another topic. I think the, is it your uh, video that's how to avoid being an icky advertiser? Is that the one you're referring to? <laughs> well, that's one of them. Yeah. Okay. I think that's one of them. I, I have to remember what one or the other, I put a video on every single Tuesday. So the icky advertiser came from <laughs> an event I was at that everyone ha- is like this, ew, you know, like Facebook ads, everybody hates them. It's like, well, well, they hate them because people need to step up their game. I hate that everybody, that's just so not true. <laughs> know, like, right? it, you're a survey of one. You're obviously not my audience. So thank you for your comment. Let's move along. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So who's one guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast? Absolutely have to have. Oh gosh. And if you could get my client, Todd Herman, if you could get Todd on your podcast, Todd is amazing. He would uh, absolutely knock your, your listener's socks off for sure about them. Especially, you know, earlier when I talked about having the right mindset, the long-term game, Todd is a, he's just a, he's a brilliant man. Your, your listeners would love him. Okay. So I made a note of, of that and uh, ask you if you can to make an introduction. Be happy to. And then where can people find you? So, you know, you're running an agency and you're you're a busy, busy person online, offline. So where's the best place for them to track you down? Well, we put together a special page for the Real Marketing Real Fast listeners. So if you want to go to divinesocial.com forward slash RMRF, what I've got there for you is every way you can reach me on every social channel. But also I have a got a free mini class. It's a, it's a 15 minute video and some worksheets. And it's designed to help you build out the beginnings of a good social advertising strategy. Um, so you don't need to, you know, have a strategy session with my agency or anything like that. You can take the same principles that we've done for Todd and for Cricket and for some of our other clients and, and be able to start crafting that out for yourself. It's, it's really, it comes from several years and several million dollars worth of testing. <laughs> So, well, that's the other thing I wanted to mention that we didn't uh, we didn't mention just before we wind up today, and that is that you know the advantage of working with an agency or working with someone like yourself is you've spent tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars in advertising, opposed to you know little me if I'm sitting in my corner trying to do it myself and I've got a five hundred dollar day budget, I don't have that experience. So you know leveraging you know your millions of dollars of, of ad buy um, is a huge advantage to people who are going to learn you know by making mistakes. Well, you know, there's that. And the other piece that I think it was Todd is the one that like helped me to see this as a selling point for myself is that not just the not just the ad spend and the experience and the knowledge and the wisdom we've gained, but because we're working across different industries and different kinds of businesses, we are gaining, you know, gleaning these little nuggets of wisdom that can be altered for different companies. And so there is a huge advantage by being able to take, you know, all of that different experience, not just the knowledge and the wisdom, but the different, we, we have in 
insight into so many different types of companies that it's so helpful for our clients that we can bring that to the table. And a lot of times, you know, there are confidentiality and we can't always say, you know, who it came sure. from, but we can share those, those strategies and find ways to adapt them for our other clients. And that's huge. Well, that's amazing. I want to say thanks so much for taking time today and just being so generous with the, uh, the information you shared. Well, it's been so much fun, Doug. I really enjoyed it. It sounds like you and I are uh, very much uh, in uh, simpatico in our thoughts on some of the marketing tactics and strategies. So thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Well, thanks again. I really, I mean, I love the, the fact that you've got a sales background. A lot of times you work with people that don't have any of the sales background. They understand all the tactic stuff, but at the end of the day, you need to generate a sale to pay for all the tactic stuff. So it's good to That's have right. someone who That's understands right. that. So, yeah. So there we go, listeners. This is another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and the introduction of what it might look like if you work with somebody that's got deep expertise in the paid social space or an agency. So I want to say thank you to Tracy for being my guest. And I want to suggest to you that uh, go over to the um, podcast once it's been published and leave a comment, leave a question, make sure you reach out to her on the social page. I'll make sure the links are in the show notes. So thanks again for listening. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.